weeknights from 6 on 2FM. Well, a big thanks to the two Johnnies for the afternoon afternoon entertainment. It is Friday, October 6th. I'm Shane Dawson and you are listening to Game On. Coming up between now and 7pm, Alan Colley and Fergal Brennan will chat League of Ireland, FAI Cup, English Premier League and Stephen Kenny's squad selection. In rugby, Mike Prendergast joins us to continue our build-up to Ireland's crunch clash with Scotland tomorrow night. And we'll also round up today's news headlines. As always, if you want to have your say, text us 51552 or tweet us at Game On 2FM. Game On on 2FM. Yes, hello there, good evening, great to have your company here on 2FM. Alan Cawley is in studio nice and early. Alan, how are you, sir? I'm good, Shane. How are you? I'm very well, very good well. Stuff. Very well. Looking forward to a good sporting weekend. Very much so. All beginning this evening in Tolka Park, unsurprisingly. Mm. There's lots on, yeah. Lots on, lots, lots on. on. And Ireland's I always, yeah. I love the Cup semi-final weekend. Yeah. I know we'll get into it, but mm. I'm not sure if I've ever spoken to you about this, but the FEI Cup is my favourite competition of everything. Is it? Love it. No, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I do, I have such a... Why? Um... Because I suppose coming from Sligo, Sligo Rovers were always viewed as like a cup team mm. and it used to bring such excitement to the town when, when they'd get a good run in the cup and some of my earliest memories, even back to 94 when the one and we went to Lansdowne Road, it was then mm. as teenagers on the train and the, the just the, the, the celebrations and the whole lot and the crack, like, you know, it was just amazing. And we I remember we were the first ones onto the pitch. There's an old clip of me going over to Liam Coyle and no I ended up playing against Liam and it was mad just nearly tapping him on the head. Hard luck, Liam. And he's kind of looking at me saying will you stop like, you know? <laughs> and we were only like 14, 15 at the yeah, time yeah. younger even I'd say 12, 13 but um, so we've always had that my uncle scored the winning goal for Sly Rovers in the cup final in 83 okay so Harry is uh, always remembered for that yeah and it's just uh, yeah, I've always then when I played in it uh, I always loved the cup there was something special about the FAI Cup and I know it's kind of lost its glamour across the pond but we've always held on to it and mm. now even the stuff we do now when working on it I absolutely love Cup Final Day because it's our big showpiece yeah. day um, and obviously with the semi-finals as well are always brilliant so I'm really excited about this weekend Shane You're down in Cork on Sunday Cork on Sunday yeah so looking okay. forward to that as well it should be a cracker OK OK well it certainly should be a cracker on Sunday it should be a cracker tomorrow between uh, Galway and Bowes as well and hopefully two decent League of Ireland matches this evening you're also in London tomorrow Luton Spurs yeah, I'm we'll, going we'll over again to tomorrow yeah, yeah just the way it's falling back to back So living, um, living the high life living, living the dream Alan Living the dream, Living the dream. More the, the dream, dream than the high life. <laughs> Listen, Kenilworth Road is the high life. Right, don't I take the high life and the dream and whatever else comes with it. Um, right, we are going to chat um, all things soccer in due course. But first, we are going to turn our attention to rugby because there is a small matter of Ireland versus Scotland in a crunch clash uh, tomorrow night in Paris. And I'm delighted to say, uh, as is every Friday, Mike Prendergast joins us now. Mike, how are you, sir? Good, Shane, thanks. Good, it is great to have your company. Um, Ireland, Scotland. So, uh, what, I suppose, was your immediate reaction to the, to the match day squad? What caught your eye in terms of how Ireland are setting up for this match? I suppose the, the, the talking point would have been um, Ian Henderson coming in for, for James Ryan. Mm. Um, I suppose word came out that James Ryan hadn't trained fully all week. So, I would imagine Andy and the staff made a, made a call there kind of early on. Um, and you know we'll we'll have, have huge confidence in that as well. You know I, I suppose it just shows the the depth we have uh, in the squad. You even look at some of the players that that don't get into it, um, and you look at the, the bench that we have set up for tomorrow night. You know I know there's, there's talks about South Africa having a bomb squad, etc. But I think we're turning into a team that at the moment that has um, you know really built up a, a strong squad and. and you know the way the game is going. Um, you, you need that depth, mm. and to call 
upon some players like as as we as I alluded to earlier, the likes of James Ryan on the bench, Connor Murray, Jack Cohn in his back in, you know. So there's huge step there. But I think that I suppose the the big point, talking point would have been around um, Ian Henderson. Yeah, and and continuing that conversation on the second rows, I suppose, Mike, uh, the Irish lineout. What lessons will we have learned, and will it be a will it be a near perfect performance tomorrow in the in the lineout against the Scots? Well, you would hope so. You would hope so. Um, I'm sure there were certain, certain learnings from from the uh, South African game. I thought they did find solutions during the game when it didn't work out um, early in the game. Um, you know, they they had the experience and and. I suppose they know how to find solutions and, and, and win their ball. But look, Scotland will look at that tomorrow and I think they look at, you know, you're talking about two teams that go out and like to attack, which uh, which is really exciting for the game itself. Um, you know, and I suppose Scotland will sit back and look at it and go, right, where can we cut their supply? And I think uh, the area they will go after is is that line-out, you know, at line-out time. Look, Ireland have had two weeks off since then. Um, gives you that bit more extra time to, to prepare for... You know, combination setups, etc. So, um, look, they've they've got huge experience. They've got real, um, you know, intellectual callers. They've got real, very very good coaching in Paul O'Connell. So, I'm sure they'll have a really good plan um, set up for tomorrow night from a from a lineup perspective because it is um, it is a massive area of of, of the game of rugby today, and um, you know, it's, it's something that when it does click for Ireland. Um, you know, it just adds. It's another part of of their attacking um, shape or what they, how they can set up off it. Um, so yeah, so it's going to be intriguing because, as I said, Scotland are going to go after that for sure. Absolutely, I do want to pick your brain some more, but first we can hear from uh, James Lowe and Tyg Byrne on how Ireland uh, will approach this match. I suppose we've just spoken about the importance of the game, and we essentially are into knockout rugby now, aren't we? And much the same, I suppose, against South Africa, we had the same kind of mindset, but. You know, I think there's a feeling around the group that this is it now for us. We we need to continue to step it up week on week. That's what we're chasing. We're chasing better performances every week, and that's what we're going to have to have to do if we want to continue on in this competition. And it starts on Saturday, so certainly there is a feel of a finals week for sure. Scotland are an amazing team who have definitely pushed us. I know we've probably had the better end of the stick from the last definitely in the last few encounters but um, a team that play with a lot of passion and width and uh, physicality you know it's um, you respect them because you know you don't you really really don't want to lose so you respect them and you really want to go out there and put in performances that you're proud of but we're looking forward to the challenge you know they've definitely got one of the best tens in the world and you know picked a nine who likes running from the base and definitely probably going in with a mindset of scoring tries and putting us under a lot of pressure so 6-2 split on the bench they've got a lot of forwards probably you know impact players that are able to also change a match so we need to match them there but look we're looking forward to the occasion and putting in another performance we're proud of yes obviously Darcy Graham's an exceptional player and fortunately I haven't actually had to man mark him he's I've never played opposite him in an international as far as I'm trying to think back now but very very good feet he's similar to the two South African boys we played last week catch and pass and his ability to create something out of nothing is obviously you know and he's probably challenged by the two boys uh, last week and mate, he's definitely a handful but you want to challenge yourself against the best and then you look at the uh, behemoth on the other end who's you know he's a few inches taller than me and he's got definitely a bit more muscle than me as well so 
He's um, he's a serious threat, ball in hand. But I mean, we're going to try our best to put them under as much pressure as we can, and hopefully, uh, Finn Russell doesn't find them too often in too much space. So, Mike, how much of an emphasis will there be on firstly trying to suffocate Finn Russell, but also to perhaps keep it narrow, keep it away from from Darcy and Duhan on the wings? Um, yeah, look, I, I, I think there will be a focus, obviously, on, on their threats, and they have plenty of them in, the, in their back line, especially. But uh, it comes down to, you know, I suppose, up front, forwards-wise. Um, and I do think Ireland, that's where we have the, the age, I think, in our, especially in our tight five, you know. And when you look at our back row, and we have to come off the bench as well. So I think by not giving them that platform, um, you know, can negate how they want to play. Um, because the thing is, if you do, if the likes of Finn having coached him in, in, in the past, knowing what he can do, what a brilliant footballer he is, when he has that front football, he, he can be he can be so dangerous and he can bring players in into the game around him as well. So, um, you know, it's it's as I said, it's going to come down to the collisions. We always talk about rock speed. And I think the other side of it as well, um, Shane, is I think it's denying them ball as well, you know, and there are two teams that will go out and hold on to the ball. Um I think at times sometimes Scotland look for solutions quite early um, and, you know, maybe lose a bit of patience. You could see it a small bit of against South Africa. I think Ireland, on the other hand, are a team that can hold on to the ball, go through a lot of multi-phases um, and frustrate teams. And, and I think that's something how you can negate Scotland is, by, is literally by keeping the ball. And I think the ruck allows them to do that because you look at Ireland's ruck, you know, in terms of stats, they've, they've the highest amount of rucks, they've the quickest ruck. Um, so... I think one area they look at it, they'll talk about the individuals, obviously, and, and certainly someone like Finn, um, because with his, with his array of, of, I suppose, skills and decision-making, he, he can, you know, be a major threat. But to counteract that, I think you hold on to the ball for as long as you can in terms of not allowing them possession as well. Mm. You mentioned Finn. Obviously, you've seen him up close and, and personal. What is it about Finn Russell? What, what do, do you see or what might have you seen in kind of on the training pitch that makes him so, to be so dangerous? Uh, he's, he's wonderfully gifted. He's a brilliant footballer. Um, his skill set is incredible. Um, you know, a lot of it does come natural, but to be fair to the guy, and I know there's sometimes out there in the public that, you know, he's like a guy that just rocks up. He, he does work in behind, and especially in terms of analysing teams, he looks for... Um, you know potential areas and potential defender or sorry defend, yeah, defenders he go after the, the, the thing with, with Finn is as well just in terms of just making a split uh, second decision especially on the line um, that's kind of what separates him from me when he's on form when he gets that goal forward ball that that's you know that's the danger he brings and he, he has a, he's got a really really good offensive kicking game as well where, uh, where he looks for that, that kick space and you know the accuracy of his kicking can be can be very hard at times to defend, and, and I know Ireland will be will be aware of that. But as I said, um, you know, with my Irish hat on, obviously for for tomorrow night, mm. you're looking on at, at how um, you take it away from him. You obviously bring a lot of line speed because you know, and that's what Ireland will do. The one thing I noticed as well, just against South Africa and how they defended as well, was against Finn. So Scotland are a team that you know we alluded to earlier. They have a lot of threats in, in their back line, so. Finn will often look for for um, for he he's he's individual players and look for a mismatch and often those passes can be quite long and and wide and I think South Africa allowed Scotland to play that way and pushed them towards the sideline um, and they created a lot of rocks out really really wide towards the five meter line and then they just did thirteen guys in their feet 
and they just brought a huge amount of, of line speeds um, against that Scottish attack, you know. So uh, I think there's quite good learnings in that as well from, from an Irish perspective on how you, I suppose, first of all, stop Finn and, and stop Scotland attacking. Mm, that's actually very interesting. Uh, there's another individual I do want to ask you about, Mike, but before I do, uh, we can hear from Tyg and James uh, again. And that individual, of course, is Peter O'Mahony, set to wear in his 100th um, Irish cap. And this, this next clip starts off by James Lowe being asked about his uh, first impression of Peter O'Mahony. I, I could, but we'd have to turn the TV cameras off. Um, no, he, he's a man who wears his heart on his sleeve and he uh, deserves all the praise that he's got this week. To play 100 caps for your country is obviously a huge achievement in the way he's gone about his work is second to none. He's grown into a very, very great leader and one of the best that I've definitely come across. He's emotional. He backs up his words with actions. You can think of many, many games he's been involved in that he's had huge moments that have affected the outcome and He's definitely the sort of guy that you hate to play against but love to have in your team. We heard a nickname for him yesterday. Do you know what that that is? The Haggard Badger? (laughs) It's very fitting if you ask me because, like I said, the first time I met him I thought he was more of a Haggard Badger than what what I think of him now. But he's a grumpy old man in his age, but like I said, he's someone you want on your team. And Tyg for you? Yeah, just incredibly impressed by him. My first experiences of him were obviously in Munster and um, going over there. I'd only really seen him in an Irish jersey and what he'd done for Munster as well. But to see how he led the led the squad in Munster and the, the training, the, the effort he put through, through in training, he, as Lowy said, he wears his heart on his sleeve and he's an incredible leader. An even better bloke, you know, he's one of the most social guys around the place. Despite what people might think of him, he's always one of the last in the team room having a cup of tea with the lads and just chatting away. So he's hugely liked within this group. Uh, speaks volumes of the man he is and I, I'm very excited and I'm delighted I get to share the pitch on such a momentous occasion for him. So Mike, let's get to the important questions first. Is that a monster thing, the Haggard Badger? Is this no, something you've heard? I've heard of it. It's the first time I've heard of it actually, to be honest with you. Um, no... Pete, to be honest, Joe, first of all, it's just it's an incredible achievement. Um, I, I think the boys, two boys, hit the nail in the head and, and how to describe the the, the guy who he, who he is. You know, a, a great player, a, a great fella, uh, very honest. Um, the thing I like about him, he's very realistic as well. And just as a captain, and having having coached him last year, um, and I know it's been said in the past, you know, he doesn't speak a huge amount, but when he does, um, he speaks for a reason. You know, so he's um, he's an incredible guy, and I'm, I'm delighted for himself and his family. Yeah, and and th- there is that wrong perception that he's just this this gruff character, but he's not. He he is a very, uh, as the lads alluded to there, he, he's one of the characters. Absolutely, uh, Pete's Pete's great fun, as I said. Um, you know, he's um, he's a guy. I suppose. Look, he's, he's been around the block. He's 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 had so many ups and downs. Mm. Um, he's taken on the chin. He's moved on. Um, you know, so he's he's you know as we spoke about it, in terms of as a player, he's he's come up. But you look back over his career over the, over with Ireland with Munster, he's always come up with big moments that inspire players, and that for me just is a sign straight away that how much he means to people. Um, but as 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 the boys alluded to, yeah, great fun. Um, so yeah, just very very pleased for him tomorrow, and hopefully they, they can go out and and get a victory for him but I know knowing the guy he'll, he'll put that 100 caps you know at the back burner and I'm sure it's something he'll probably look back in in, in weeks or months to come hopefully with a 
with a World Cup trophy. <laughs> here's hoping, here's hoping. So, Mike, when it's all said and done, Ireland are unbeaten in, in eight against Scotland. Will that be extended to unbeaten in nine come tomorrow night? I think so, yeah. I, uh, I, I just think Ireland are a very... Very, as I say about them, they're very tidy and they, they can find ways of winning as well. You know, we all, and include myself, we speak about um, how good and, and how uh, dangerous their attack is, you know. But um, you look at even against the, the South Africans, I suppose it, was, it came down to their defence and their, and their decision making around the rocks, around the rock uh, defensively as well. So they're finding ways when, when sometimes the flow of the game mightn't be the way they want it. Um, and that's that's a sign of a, of a really really good side, and I don't see that changing tomorrow night. Okay, and just briefly before I let you go, Mike, uh, this evening France Italy uh, face off in Lyon, and that of course will have a big bearing on um, the quarterfinals, uh, providing Ireland do get there. Can Italy upset France? It's it's highly unlikely, I, I suspect. No, I, I don't think so. I don't think so. I think you know, obviously we saw last week they were they were. They were disappointing against New Zealand, um, but I, I think look, I think there'll be there will be a bit of a backlash. But I, I just think that the strength and depth and where France want to go to now, um, I just think they'll have too much of them. The million dollar question, final question for you then: New Zealand or France? Who would you rather face in a quarter final, given what we've seen so far overall in this World Cup? New Zealand. New Zealand. Oof. Yeah. I'll have, to, I'll have to follow up there. Why so? Why so? Is it just a case of France are, are that good and New Zealand aren't they, the All Blacks of that they were? Probably exactly just what you yeah. said. I just think I think uh, France, having lived over there for 10 years up to recently, having coached a lot of the players, normal French rugby, knowing how what they had to do to get this tournament, um, you know, I suppose where they want it. There's a lot gone into it. Um, and I just think emotionally, when the French get to a, you know, a, a certain place, they can be a, a tough team to beat. I'm not saying we wouldn't beat them at all at all. I think if you're asking me who I'd prefer to play, mm. I think New Zealand. I don't think New Zealand are the team that they were, you know, going back three or four years ago. Even albeit they've had big victories maybe against Leicester um, opposition, but there's still enough stuff that I saw in those games that I think Ireland would be. Um, you know, it would be that would have, that. That's a fixture I'd like for for next weekend if we get over tomorrow night. Okay, well, it, there's lots to look forward to. Mike Prendergast for now. Thank you very much uh, for taking the call. Ireland Scotland. There's live commentary uh, with Michael Corcoran and David Humphreys on Radio One uh, tomorrow night. A couple of other matches, as I mentioned, France Italy is this evening. Wales face Georgia in England. Samoa tomorrow. Wales and England looking to progress as Pool C and Pool D winners, uh, respectively. And on Sunday, Argentina. Uh, will be looking to join England in the quarterfinals. They play Japan at 12pm, Tonga, Romania at 4.45 and Fiji, Portugal at 8pm. Uh, can Portugal do Australia a favour and defeat Fiji? Very unlikely. But as Paul from Sligo says on the text line 51552, Shane, the Springboks may have the bomb squad, but Ireland have the bomb disposal squad. So here's hoping for an Ireland win tomorrow night. Lots more to come here on 2FM. We're going to be chatting soccer with Fergal Brennan and Alan Colley next. So stay with us here on Game On. RTE 2FM Game on. Football. Now it is time to chat domestic football and we will be getting to Alan Colley's favourite competition in the whole world, the FEI Cup, very, very shortly. But first, there are two games in uh, the SSC Artricity Men's Premier Division uh, this evening. Derry are looking to continue their outside chance of clinching 
the league title. They host Rada United. But first, we can cross live to Tolka Park, approaching its centenary year, the iconic Northside Stadium. John Kenny is there ahead of Shelburne and Dundalk. John Kenny, you can set the scene from the wonderful surrounds of Tolka Park. <laughs> exactly. You're bigging it up like the shells for a fan that you are. Well, they can move <laughs> above Bowes in the fourth place tonight with a win over Dundalk. Bowes are in FAI Cup action over the weekend, as we know. Uh, victory would also open up a four-point gap over Dundalk. Three games remaining after tonight. Fourth place, depending on who wins the FAI Cup, might be good enough to earn Shells a place in Europe next season. Having been unbeaten in the league since June, last week's loss to Shamrock Rovers, a bit of a blow to Shells' European ambitions, and they're without their manager tonight on the sideline. Damien Duff will have to watch from the stands. He picked up a suspension. The dog, meanwhile, looking for the third win in a row. They've had an up-and-down kind of season, but they beat Drogheda at 3-1, Cork City 5-0, both at home late last month. Stephen O'Donnell will be hoping that his team have turned a corner, having lost their previous four league and cup matches prior to that demolition of Cork City. And victory would see them jump above Shelburne and level on points with fourth place Bohemians in that race for Europe. It is that tight. They met four times this season. Dundalk victorious 2-1 at Oriel Park Park in March in their first league clash. They've had two league matches, both ending in 1-1 draws. And Shells won a Leinster Senior Cup tie. Uh, the last win for the Lily Whites at Tolka Park, though, goes back to February 2020. I'm surprised at that. Two on victory, thanks to goals from Andy Boyle and Patrick Huben, who's now back at the club. So, uh, yeah, looking forward to this game tonight and be interesting to get the thoughts of Damien Duff as well after uh, the game. As I said, he is suspended and will have to sit in the stands uh, tonight. Um, that's the league. FAI Cup weekend as well. Don't forget we can big it up our coverage it's on RT Radio and television over the weekend. I'm lucky enough to be at uh, both games tomorrow. Uh, heading to Galway for Galway against Bowes that's on RT Radio 1 you can also see it live on RT 1 television and then on Sunday we've got Cork uh, against St Pat's and uh, that's also live on RT Radio 1 and also on uh, RT television as well and I know Alan Colley was talking about that uh, it's his favourite competition and I suppose Alan it was warm ball cold ball in the draw really wasn't it getting the two um, teams like Galway and Cork City who are the, probably the unfancied teams against uh, Bowes and uh, St. Pat's. So, would it be a Bose St. Uh, uh, Pat's final, do you think? On paper, you would think that, John. Um, and as you say, obviously, they were the, the two favourites going into the draw. Um, the fact that they've stayed apart, everybody would fancy them to, to get the job done in their respective semi finals. But it doesn't always play out like that. And the fact that the two lesser lights, if you like, going into the weekend have home advantage that does give them a big advantage particularly Galway who are having a great season so that'll be a difficult game for Bowes likewise for St Pat's on Sunday there'll be a packed Turner's Cross mm -hmm. I do expect Pat's to get the job done um, despite the fact that they do have home advantage Cork and there will be a huge crowd because they just have conceded too many goals they've conceded 59 goals Cork um, but tomorrow I do I do think it'll be tough to call tomorrow I think Galway have a real chance as well mm. yeah yeah, Fine. they're beaten at home, aren't they, lads, as well? Mm. I mean, they haven't lost a game all season at home. Uh, they've scored, what, uh, working out 13 goals in the Cup so far, only conceded one. 5-1 uh, win over uh, UCD, big win over Dundalk. Uh, already won the uh, First Division Championship as well after six years out. It's good to see them back. We need teams like Galway United, obviously, back in the Premier League. I know Keith Tracy was saying that he thinks that Galway could beat Bowes. Will be interesting to see, and it's good to have that geographical spread um, there yeah. as well in in the league. So hopefully we do see more success, and are going to be two cracking uh, cup semi final matches. John Kenny, for now, enjoy Tolka Park. Um, Alan, speaking of geographical spread, I think I did say Derry are hosting Drada, but that is of course in Weavers Park in mm. Drada. So apologies uh, on that front. Um, but continuing the conversation on Shells Dundalk, 
Dundalk kind of back in form now and Shelburne had a tough week only getting one point from two Dublin derbies so contrasting fortunes coming into this one yeah and to be fair there's not much between the teams mm. when you look back on the previous games as well Shane but before I suppose the week that Shelburne had they were the form team in the league having picked up 16 points out of 24 and I felt it was a real opportunity for them last week in Tala the first half they played ever so well I was so impressed with them um, and you felt at that stage of half time Shamrock Rovers were there for the taking whatever was said in the in the dressing room at half time with Shamrock Rovers which you'd be expecting a reaction we certainly saw that reaction from them and Shelburne never reacted to that at all Shane and they never played in the second half exact same sorry to cut across it exact same as, as Bows on the Monday smashing first half mm. and then really under par second half and funny I was in Daly Mount for that as well and yeah, as you say it was a carbon copy mm. because they played ever so well in that first half Jack Moylan getting a great goal against Bows causing all sorts of problems and again as you say they just came out and sat in for the whole second half and it was inevitable really that Bohemians were going to get that goal uh, which they did then you take that form into the Friday night and as I say the first half so I think Damien has obviously spoken about that in the build up to this match saying we need 100 minute performances it's yeah. no good playing for uh, one half obviously you won't get the job done in just one half so I think that's something that you may see a reaction from them tonight and I do think they'll get the job done at home as well Shane Dundalk have been very much up and down mm. um, now I know they have responded well to that major setback of getting hammered by Galway in the cup and that was a huge setback for them and it almost kind of rocked them I would say and galvanised them no well I think it rocked them in the sense that they were so shocked by it the manner in that defeat like it was a real kind of uh, I felt they were very nearly I wouldn't say overconfident going into that match but I felt that despite the fact that they knew it would have been a tough game they still felt they would have get get the job done and get the victory. The fact that they got hammered 4-0 and they were 4-0 down a half-time, mm. Shane, as I say, that really rocked them and it took them a couple of weeks to get back on track. Now, they have responded well in the last couple of games, so it will be a tough game, but I think Shelburne will get the job done tonight, Shane. And I do think they have an unbelievable chance still for that European place. Uh, Bows, again, have been have been kind of inconsistent. All eyes are on them in the Cup tomorrow and they'll be focusing on that. I actually think Bows' best chance of Europe is the Cup. Okay, yeah. By going to win the cup rather than finishing fourth, I I think Pats Pats have a difficult run in, but six points ahead of Shell's four ahead of Bows, I think for for Shelburne fans, um, not that I would ever speak on behalf of them, but I feel Pats finishing third and winning the cup that that would probably be the the easy route for Shells to to get European football, but who knows? It is so so tight. It is so so tight. Um, a league title looks. Realistically, I think it's over. Um, they are in Drada, Drada United, Kevin Doherty, um, already in contention for a manager of the season as well. Um, how do you see this one unfolding in Drada? Yeah, I think Derry will get the job done because um, you're right about Drada. They've had a phenomenal season, and even from speaking to Kevin, he's so delighted because they're ahead of where they were last year, still with four games to go. So that just tells you about the job that he's done. Everybody had predicted the fact that they'd be down fighting relegation mm-hmm. or in the playoff spot. They're fairly comfortable in that regard. Um, um, now he'll still want to finish the season professionally and strong but I just think Derry may have too much for them tonight in the hope that there is whatever slim glimmer of hope there is left Shane that Shamrock Rovers might slip up but even if they bring it back to two points with the game in hand for Shamrock Rovers I still think Shamrock Rovers will get the job done all the teams below Shamrock Rovers have had their chances yeah numerous chances not even yeah. one or two they've had numerous chances over the course of the season even if you only go back to last weekend when Shamrock Rovers not last weekend the weekend before when Shamrock Rovers drew at UCD yeah. and I was at the game in the showgrounds and Derry slipped up losing to Sligo Rovers so they've all had their chances they've all had their opportunities they've only themselves to blame absolutely 
no, I 100% agree with you. A point for Drogheda uh, this evening uh, would mean they would be mathematically safe after a superb um, season. Let's chat FEI Cup. So tomorrow it is Galway versus Bohemian Football Club. Before I get your thoughts, Alan Colley, let's hear from um, Galway United's Brendan Clark. Since the Dundalk game, we've just been focusing on on uh, getting the league o- over the line, which we've we've managed to do down in Kerry a couple of weeks ago. So, uh, yeah, we've been gearing up for uh, for Saturday for a couple of weeks now. Massive test. Um, you know, the, we, we've we've started watching video of them over the weekend, and, and they've threats all over the park. And, and look, we've we've a lot of League of Ireland fans in in the squad, and who will kind of keep up to date with with what's going on. And and uh, no, look, they're they're a massive club, brilliant team, and uh, yeah, it's a, it's a massive test for us. I'm sure you're going to tell me there's a mean defence in front of you, but on a personal level, 20 clean sheets this season—that's quite some going. <laughs> look, it's like you said, it's it's not just me. It starts with with even the guys up front. I mean, you try and speak to them about. If they make a 10-yard run to, to, to block a defender clear and you don't know what that's going to stop coming from the other side, you know. So it, it's something that we pride ourselves on as a squad and, and uh, it, it's not just a, it's not just a goalkeeping statistic anymore. It's, it's, it's a group thing and, uh, yeah, I mean, 20 out of 36 games so far is, is a really good return and, and one we're looking to build on. L Benjamin button there, Brendan yeah, Clark. Clark. Yeah. <laughs> no. um, how much credit must John Caulfield get? Like, I mean, I know he's got a very good team at his disposal and it perhaps hasn't been the most competitive first division and there has been a, a bit of golf in class but the run that they've had in the cup they've clinched the league the first division league title uh, at a canter early days as well so you can put all energy and focus into into uh, the the cup as I say so it's been it's been remarkable Yeah he's had a great year um, but I think he's entitled to have a good year with the budget that he has as well Shane mm. uh, they should be winning the league and I don't mean that in any kind of disparaging way towards John. You still have to manage the club and you still have to go out and do... You have to carry that expectation. Absolutely. And yeah. I think he's carried it brilliantly. And as you say, it's hard to argue with their points tally, with their the amount of goals they've scored, 89, they've only conceded 16. Clarkie, as you say, 20 clean sheets. They've 85 points on the board, 20 ahead of Waterford. Mm. So it's been a brilliant year in that regard during the semi-final of the Cup. So absolutely, he deserves all the plaudits. But I do think you have to factor in that. He's been down there now, I think it's his third year, John. Mm big budget there's been expectation on him before and they haven't got the job done but he has got the job done and it'll be great to see Galway back in the Premier Division and hopefully they can kick on from here as well Shane because um, for far too long we haven't kind of had that geographical spread as we spoke about yeah. uh, down the west obviously Sligo Derry but you want Galway in it as well um, and it, he, he does deserve the plaudits and I think tomorrow is a massive game for them because despite the fact that they have the budget and they should be winning the first division which is what they're doing it'll be interesting to see just how to cope with Bohemians as well um, and Bohemians will know that they're in for they're in for a game tomorrow like mm. Bohemians haven't really kind of blown me away much no. this year they've been and again it's, to be fair to Declan it's his first year as well and he's trying to get his settled team and, and the players obviously there was a big turnover of players in the off season with them as well so he's spent the season I suppose trying to um, look for that kind of secret ingredient really for the team Afalabi has shown up so well in the last 11-12 weeks and he absolutely has and speaking of we can hear from Jonathan Afalabi well, you've segued perfectly for me Alan Colley <laughs> not your first rodeo yeah, definitely. It's going to be a difficult game going up there. They're obviously in form and they've won a lot of games this season in their uh, division. So uh, we'll be well up for the battle there. I don't think they've lost a game at home this whole season. So uh, it definitely won't be an easy task, but we're, we're definitely well prepared and we're going to keep working throughout the whole week to make sure we're ready. 
and yet confidence must be pretty strong in the Bohemian setup at the moment. And you in particular, you've been absolutely flying it. 13 league goals, four in the cup as well. You're, you're having a, a fine season. Yeah, yeah, it's been really good getting the goals in and helping out the team in a way where it, it counts for something, getting three points on the board or getting to the next round of the cup. And uh, long may that continue, we're going to try to push on them. It's obviously a big occasion for the club. They definitely like to be back there again, so it'll be a special little factor in there for the fans, especially because uh, they feel like they have unfinished business there. But we have uh, a job to do on Saturday first. Jonathan Afflabi really, I suppose, echoing your comments there that Bohemians be well up for the battle. Yeah, they will, and that's one thing you will get with, with Bohemians. And Declan instills that um, he's real kind of his man management mantra, if you like, is all mm. that motivation, and he loves it. Um, and to be fair, that's one thing you get this season when you go down to Daily Mount. The fans have bought into that. There's a real connection with them, uh, which has been there for quite a while. But sometimes when a new manager comes in, I think that Declan is the type that feeds into that as well and bounces off each other with the fans and the players, and they get that unity. So to have that, um, but it'll be a tough game. Like Afalabi's under no illusions either. They know it'll be a tough game. Mm. home crowd home advantage for Galway um, they're in the habit of winning as well Shane and, and it's certainly a habit when you get into a Galway they're not used to losing matches because it's been so long since they've lost one um, so yeah I think out of the two cup games and I'm doing the one on Sunday I think this will be the toughest one for the Premier Division team Call it for well, me. Sunday is the two Premier Division team yeah I but, but in terms it, of, yeah. of, of like a, a challenge um, who's who's going to win go on but Put, put, put your really, money, put your well, money where your mouth yeah, is. Yeah, you're putting me on the spot because I just said how tough it's yeah, going to be. Yeah. I think Bowes will just shade it, but just, I think it'll be it would really, be a proper It wouldn't test. surprise me if it went to extra time and penalties. Okay, okay. Well, or is there, are we at the replay stages? Straight into penalties, yeah. maybe. So but it wouldn't surprise me. Either way, there's going to be a lot of drama. I think there's it will be, be a lot of drama. And I think it's going to be a tough afternoon, but Bowes need to be ready and need to be prepared for that. And I think Declan will bring that because that's what he, what he feeds off. Okay, well that is, as John Kenny mentioned earlier on Saturday Sport and RTE 1, you are down in Turners Cross on Sunday and we can hear from uh, Cork City's Aaron Bulger first. Yeah, massively looking forward to it. Look, it's going to be a, a massive game. It's going to be really exciting. I think obviously getting the home advantage is huge. Playing in front of our fans, anything can happen. And obviously it's a cup semi-final, so um, it's going to be really rocking down there on Sunday and hopefully the fans come out in their numbers as they always do. Um, Look, I think at the start, or when the draw was being made, I don't think anyone would want to come down to Cork because of that reason. Obviously, it's a really intimidating place to go, but look, we'll be looking to use that to our advantage and hopefully get the win. And it's fair to say as well, Aaron, when you've got a striker who's got a, a nose for goal in the shape of Rory Keating, you've always got a chance, haven't you? Yeah, look, I think everyone knows how, how good Keats has been this season. He's been unbelievable for us. I think there's been a lot of weight on his shoulders to score goals for us, and look, he's managed to, to score quite a few. I think he's joint top goal scoring the league maybe so yeah look hopefully on Sunday pops in by another goal No team will want to go down to Turner's Cross really getting that siege mentality in there nice and early from Aaron Bulger but he's he's dead right it's a tough place to go It was a tough place to go Shane uh, I don't think it's fortress anymore? I don't think it. well look at their league form like they're ninth in the league they've conceded 59 goals so it's not exactly Fortress Cork um, It's an when, intimidating place No well I think they're going to obviously there'll be a massive crowd um, but again something like what the point I was making about Gaul being in the habit of winning Cork are in the habit of losing yeah. and that's not good either Shane and the concession of goals um, and Pat's coming to town who've scored the most goals in the Premier Division this year joint top with Shamrock Rovers they've scored 56 goals so when you add the two up it's pointing towards St. Pat's for me I think the only and Adrian was right to bring up 
up the point about Keating. That's the saving grace for Cork. That but whatever is that an over reliance then? But whatever chance to have, it's it's on his. Yeah. It's basically pinning on uh, his shoulders. And Aaron Bulger even said that, like the you know that we're they're heavily reliant on him, which is not a good thing. But he's come up trumps more often than not this season. He's had a brilliant, brilliant season, especially considering what's 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 had taken place mm-hmm. earlier in the year as well. Um, I really admire that boy for the character he's shown all year, and I hope he has a great day. Uh, but I think for Cork to get through. I think that's where their best hope lies is that he ha- he does have a great day because I think St. Pat's will have too much for them. Okay. Well, Adrian Eames was a busy man. We can hear from uh, Jamie Lennon now. I feel Adrian Eames is chatting to everyone in the League of Ireland. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's really tough. Ideally, you'd like to get a home draw, um, but we've been pretty unlucky this year in the Cup where I think we've done so much travelling to Finn Harps, down to Longford, up to Derry, and now down to Cork. So we've just got to take in a stride. We were down there last week and had a really tough game. Um, albeit we didn't play particularly well but we came away with a 1-0 win which was a massive win for us in the league so they're a threat um, up front especially Keaton up front um, is obviously a handful you know they're dogged in midfield but they get crosses into the box and they're not afraid to attack headers so we've got to be ready we've got to be mentally prepared and we'll do our homework on them this week and we'll train properly and we'll make sure everyone's at it and we'll roll into Sunday we've got to go down there and just try to improve on our performance again hopefully get over the line so the red carpet probably won't be out for you, Alan Colley, come Sunday. You're going with a, with a Pats victory. So a Pats Bows final is your, your prediction. Yeah, I, tomorrow is tight chain. I, I yeah. wouldn't be nailed on with Bows, okay. um, to be fair. I think they may shade it, but it wouldn't surprise me if Galway were to win that, I have to say. Uh, whereas Sunday, I do fancy Pats strongly. And that's not being disrespectful to Cork. I'm just going on form and the league and all the things I've pointed out there um, that would back up my argument that Pats should be beating mm. Cork City, to be fair. There is one narrative as well I do before we finish the chat I want to pick your brain if you look at the league table since John Daly took charge of St. Pat's mm. they would be top of the table mm. by a point ahead of Shamrock Rovers 19 games played 12 wins 3 draws only 4 losses only Shells and Rovers have lost uh, fewer matches uh, 3 matches as well so that influence of John Daly and you compare that with the complete instability in, in terms of management at Cork City as well is another thing really in favour of Pats 100% and that's a great point Shane that you make because since John Daly has come in they've been absolutely brilliant and mm. and those stats reflect that there that you just pointed out in terms of the amount of games they've won the points they've accumulated and when you flip it over again you're 100% right because I think that's been Cork's biggest problem that when Colin Healy finished up in his job for whatever reason and mm. we can kind of uh, speculate about the reasons but I have a fair idea they never got a manager in place and to put Liam in place and I think obviously Liam has struggled throughout the season um, and now they've made the change obviously last week um, to go back to Richie Holland it's, yeah. it's a case of just yeah and that's his use the word you used was the instability of it mm. and that's exactly what it is and I think that's why they've had the season that they've had I know a few weeks back Dermot Usher tried to get a permanent manager in place didn't happen but I think you should have tried to get the permanent manager in place when Colin Healy left and they would have had a, a lot better chance I think of staying in the division they're still in the cup with a chance but I think Pats will beat them on Sunday Okay, well they could be out of the cup come this weekend and looking at a promotion relegation playoff then uh, as well in the league um, Alan you're sticking around Fergal Brown's going to join us as well because there's lots more to come on Game On 2 FM we're going to continue our association football chat RTE 2 FM Game On Football Nay, very welcome back to the final part of Friday evening's Game On. Shane Dawson here with you. Alan Colley is in studio and Fergal Brennan is also on the line as well as we turn our attention to the Premier League 
And Alan, I know you are at Luton Spurs, but we are going to move ahead to Sunday because there is a small matter of Fergal Brown. I bring you into the conversation uh, of Arsenal versus Manchester City. Um, have Arsenal closed the gap on Manchester City since, since last season, since these teams last met, I suppose, as well? Yeah, I think they have um, to a definitive extent. That all remains to be seen by half six, seven o'clock on Sunday night. Um, I, I still think the issue with Arsenal remains similar to, to last season as much as they've improved in terms of the players that have come in this summer and the strides that they've set, taken under under Mikel Arteta. I, do, I don't buy into this idea that, that they have a mental weakness or that they're not you know, maybe up for the fight or up for the scrap. I think they've got a, a mental gap when it comes to experience in certain situations. And we saw that in midweek against against Lons, who are not as good a team as Arsenal, but were very organised, very motivated, and they got the better of Arsenal and justifiably won. That's still a gap between the two teams. And, and that, for me, was what was most present in the two league games last season. Obviously, they both got shifted on towards the end of the season, and that ultimately kind of forced Arsenal out of the title race. So I think the gap has been tightened up, um, but the kind of old adage still remains. It's a results business. Um, Arteta needs, maybe doesn't necessarily need to win, but he needs something. It can't be another defeat. He's not beaten Guardiola in a Premier League game as, as Arsenal manager, and that is the stat that will be boomed around between now and Sunday afternoon. He needs something. It's not the end of the season, obviously, City dropped very few points. They're not going to be completely bulletproof for the whole campaign, but they dropped very, very few points. Arsenal have to take something, and they also have to take something when they play United further in the season and Liverpool further in the season as well. But I get the feeling that if they want to remain in this title race, they need something on Sunday afternoon. How much will that stop you playing on Mikel Arteta's mind or how much of a distraction will it be that he hasn't got one over Pep and, and, and City, Alan? Yeah, I think it's a factor, Shane. Um, when you're going up against the best coaches in the world, obviously you want to challenge yourself. Arteta is obviously trying to chase down Guardiola in that regard. Uh, and no matter when you face off against one of those it's a bit of a scalp if you can get one over on them. Uh, the fact that they have a close relationship as well, I'm sure there is kind of an internal rivalry in terms of inside Mar Mikel Arteta's mm. head because he's an ambitious man. He wants to do well uh, for his team and for his club. So yeah, I think that's only natural and that's a good thing, that competitive edge. So it's a huge game. I would agree with a lot of what Fergal has said in terms of the fact that I think there's a little bit more pressure on Arsenal because they're at home as well and that is an advantage they're obviously very strong at home I think a lot of it will hinge on whether Saka plays because Martinelli I think is already out and if they were to lose Saka as well mm. um, I just think that would be a major blow particularly Saka I think he's one of the best players in the league Shane he's a phenomenal player um, and if you flip that over it's something similar with Rodri I obviously gave the stats the other night when he misses mm. the games as well uh, and it's it's so important for Man City when he plays that obviously uh, the stats prove that in terms of the amount of games that they win so I think that's a plus point for Arsenal as well so if they can get Saka on the pitch no Rodri home advantage I think they have a real chance and I, and I suppose to answer your question about whether to close the gap I felt at the start of the season that they would kind of close the gap in terms of 
a better race. So you were writing City off. Never mind that. For it was, wasn't it yourself writing City <laughs> off? They're well, and beatable, you know. And that's what I'm saying. So yeah. it's, it's played yeah. out like that. I've I've gone. For, <laughs> oh, you're backing up your own point, my apologies. There you go, shit. <laughs> well, I've gone for Arsenal, so I think they are in the hunt, and I think they are in the race, and I don't think City will run away with over 40 <laughs> points like all you were trying to tell me. <laughs> <laughs> well, it will be interesting to see. Um, staying with the manager narrative and staying on Sunday, Brighton, Liverpool, uh, Fergal, Brennan. Uh, Brighton have beaten Liverpool only seven times in 38 meetings, stretching back to 1908. So, is this a chance for Jurgen Klopp to show that he perhaps might uh, outwit Roberto De Zerbi, the tactical genius that he is being crowned? I think a lot of what this result will come down to is who recovers and reacts best from having played last night. Um, Brighton don't have the squad depth that um, not to, to, to kind of go away from what you're asking I, I think the, the managerial battle Deserby and Klopp will be interesting I think Deserby has proven himself to be one of maybe two or three managers that can really put it up to Klopp or Guardiola in, in a tactical sense but Brighton I, I think have been a bit hit and miss this season and I think the Europa League has been difficult for them Deserby's been very honest in saying that he needs to find a way and the players need to find a way to just get on with it effectively Thursday, Sunday every other week is going to be the schedule between now and Christmas this is what they pushed for last season this is what they wanted they wanted to give the fans a first ever European um, campaign and it's been difficult they've got quite a hard group as well and the players that they have available to them are not on the same level as Liverpool you can bear the the two teams um, that they were able to put out last night the players that Liverpool were not only able to rest or the squad players they were able to bring in were still more than capable of doing a job against Union, whereas that isn't the situation with um, with Brighton. And I think it's always hard when you haven't played in European football before, particularly when it's a Thursday, and then your whole kind of planning is put out of whack for three or four months at the start of the season. Um, I think this will be hard for Brighton. I really do, because they obviously got completely torn apart by Villa last weekend. Worst ever Premier League result they've had. And Liverpool are are building something. Last weekend aside, with the VR nonsense and the own goal, etc., they've they're really turning it on. And Klopp really looks motivated that he's building another top team. They've got a whole new midfield. They've got players that look hungry for it again. Um, I'd be a little bit worried for Brighton here. I, I really like Brighton, and overall they're moving in the right direction. But they they need to find a way to manage the amount of games they're having to play. Maybe the international break will give them a bit of a, a breather to do that. Um, but at the moment, I think Liverpool are catching them catching them at a time where they're not at their best. OK, well, that is Liverpool on the up. One team on the down at the moment on current form is Manchester United, Alan Cawley. Um, they host Brentford tomorrow at 3pm. Should Eric Ten Hag drop Marcus Rashford? No. No. Even though the form he's been in and he has been <laughs> if you drop him, who do you play? Martial or Garnacho or Palestri? Even even a, a a poor Marcus Rashford, they're still relied. That tells you just how poor. But United. that would be the, the kick up the arse he needs. No, I think he's aware that he's not playing well, but I think it's there's kind of factors in the... Like, it's not just all on him. I think mm. the team is not playing well and not functioning properly, not getting him enough of the ball and uh, in areas where he wants to be and to hurt teams as well. And he can be a bit streaky like that, Rashford. Like, obviously, when he came back after the World Cup, confidence was high, couldn't miss and obviously was banging in goals then when he goes through these kind of spells we've seen this before with him as well but I think he'll bounce out of it but to, to drop him no I think I think he should play his way out of this but okay. I think the other factors in terms of the team not functioning 
and other players not functioning as well. Um, I think that has an impact on the fact that Rashford's form is as poor as it's yeah. been in recent weeks. Absolutely. Uh, I do want to get both your thoughts on the Ireland squad. Uh, just briefly before I do, Alan, I did mention you're at Luton Spurs tomorrow. Mm. Handy one for Spurs and Ange? Absolutely. Ange ball. <laughs> Ange ball. I'm looking ball. forward to seeing it again. Um, well, Luton, of course, lost during the week as well off the back of the brilliant result they had away from home and they would have been looking to back that up, especially against Burnley. So you would fancy Spurs mm. to maintain the form, the momentum, go into the international break as well if they were to pick up three points and be only potentially three points off City or Arsenal or in that top two or three. That would be a phenomenal start for Postacoglu. Okay, well, they've certainly been snatching victories rather than, than romping to them. So perhaps this might be a bit more comfortable for them. Um, Fergal, I come back to you on Stephen Kenny's uh, Ireland team uh, just to end the show on a bit of international football chat. Um, over, what, what stood out for you? I suppose, what's your biggest takeaway? Obviously, um, John Egan misses out through injury, as is Callum O'Dowda. Uh, Lean Scales uh, is recalled to the squad. Quevin Keller had a training ground injury, so that rules him out. But... Um, are you pleased with the squad he's picked or are you disappointed that certain people have missed out? What's your take, Fergal? Uh, I think it's relatively expected. Mm. Egan's injury is probably the big one in terms of the players you'd expect to start. There's Kelleher and one or two others not selected for, for various reasons, but they, they probably wouldn't be starting anyway. Um, I just think it's a very odd sensation. I watched the press conference yesterday and obviously we know there's going to be a big decision coming in November in terms of Stephen Kenny's future. And I think... It was yeah. It just seemed very strange because qualification now is effectively done. They're just waiting on the chances of the numbers going favourably for a playoff place, which is is not looking good either. Um, I suppose if you were to look for one positive for the games coming up, some of the younger players who haven't seen as much um, maybe in the last six to twelve months. Looking at Andrew Mobamadile, he's not really got a go at Forest yet. I don't think he's he's actually played or very little since he since he moved there. Yeah. I, I would like to see him. I'm a big fan of his. Ebusele, we saw him off the bench in the in the France and the Netherlands games. I'd like to see him get a start. Liam Scales is doing well at Celtic and, and playing in the Champions League. Um but there's obviously there's not a huge amount of change um in terms of personnel. But those names that I've just mentioned, I'd like I'd like to see them starting a competitive game, see how they react to it. Um, but it's going to be a very strange window and November will be a very strange window as well because it will be all eyes on Wikipedia to see if somehow the playoff situation has worked and ultimately everybody's just kind of hanging around to see what happens with Stephen Kenny. Absolutely. Final word to you, Alan Carley. Is this a squad that fills you with confidence? Well, there's a lot of young potential in it. Um, so yeah, and you would like to see some of the young players getting getting a go if you mm. like and I suppose that's what Stephen has built his whole kind of reign on uh, with young players and bringing them through I think we'll even see more uh, in this squad and, and maybe potentially on the pitch because of the likes of McLean and Hendrick and a few of them are not in the squad so uh, it'll be interesting to see but I think he has to get a result as well Shane whatever chance he has of staying on to have to beat Greece if he was to even draw with Greece or lose even though everybody thinks it's probably the decision has been made already but whatever chance he has of potentially turning that decision around to have to be Greece so it's not just the case again of bringing in young players and, and blooding them and giving them a taste of international football there's three points at stake and he needs to win Absolutely well that is a squad that hopefully will bring uh, points against Greece and Gibraltar will be building up to that next week as well Alan Colley thank you very much Fergal Brennan uh, thank you very much Sinead that is all we have time for have a great weekend of sport uh, big thanks to Andrew O'Connor who produced this evening's uh, show Blondie Tracy's up next with the official chat show so do stay tuned to 2FM but from all of the game on team it is bye for now RTE 2FM